1: well john we have to have to record but i'm gonna apologize in advance if i say anything crazy it's about 10 30 pacific right now my head hit the pillow at about 5 30 a.m pacific after two and a half hours of recording after an hour and a half drive from sacramento and i don't want to say anything crazy like maybe the milwaukee bucks aren't a top 10 organization
2: okay first of all Your story is complete bullshit. You went out with John Morant after the game last night, and that's why you're headed to the Pillow at 530.
1: (laughs) Was I in Memphis? (laughs) I I, I drove back from Memphis. You did. Two and a half hours, or or, or an hour and a half, not a day and a half drive, which, I mean, a day and a half from Memphis would actually be pretty impressive. I think I've done, I've probably done 2,000 miles in about that time. I I think we
2: should should not tempt you with that based on your zest for long drives.
1: Yeah, let's uh, we'll stick with uh, legal things that <laughs> <laughs> instead of driving uh, 2,000 miles in a day and a half. Um, yeah, should
2: we eliminate a team from the playoffs? <laughs>
1: oh man, I tried to take a sip of water as you started to say that, and I <laughs> uh, my keyboard was barely spared. Nice. <laughs> okay, well, here's where I wanted to start. de Kumpo. Uh, your colleague Eric Name had a an answer to a question that he apparently asked last year as well. And Giannis remembered he asked Bud and other members of the organization of whether this season was a failure, and Giannis vehemently objected to that term and, and it had a, a viral answer on it, which has roundly been praised. But you're you've been in a front office before for a team that hasn't quite had expectations like this, but certainly that had expectations of at least competing for a championship in some years. What's it like in, in an organization when you lose like this? Is it a failure?
2: I don't know if you quite say failure. It's hard when, because you've already won before, like Milwaukee has, and you come into every year kind of puffing your chest out and saying championship or bust. Um, but, but I think the reality is, if you had told them they would have had the best record in the league this year, they would have said that's that's fine. But what really matters for us is the postseason now. But they also probably wouldn't have looked at. If you had said before the season this season would be a failure, you would think like, oh, they won forty three games and were the seventh seed and lost in the first round. So I, I'm somewhere between those two things. I Giannis gave a, a thoughtful answer, which was from his perspective, basically saying it does because just because we didn't win it all this year, it doesn't mean the effort was wasted because it all, you know, it all matters. It's all part of the journey. It all accumulates. It gives you stuff to use, you know, next year and the year after that and whatever. And I get that. Um, but at the same time, you, when you, especially when you, I hate to bring money into it, but when you spend this much into the tax as a small market, you're, you're, you're hoping to make the finals. And so in that sense, organizationally, I think it has to be viewed as a crushing disappointment. If if not, I, I mean, failure is such a strong word that I don't know if I would go there. But it's it's, yeah, I think just a just a giant disappointment.
1: Yes, it is a failure to me. <laughs> okay, uh, organizationally, right? It, it, again, and, and I think like I understand his perspective. I think for him as a, as a player, it's good to have that perspective because you just, if you want to perform in the future, if you want to look back on your career, yeah, disappointment, I think, is a good way to put it rather than failure because, yeah, like, this is your life. You have great moments. So Even you've heard guys who win championships say, you know, in the end, it's it's a, about the journey rather than uh, the result, and he has a, a group there that have been very close. Like, things could break up. I mean, I think also that's another thing is that he doesn't, maybe he doesn't want this team to get broken up. You know, like, he wants them probably to re-sign Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, if that's the direction it goes. So I I think there's something there as well where failure implies, well, we got to make major, major changes now. That's true. Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's another reason for him to see it that way and and not want to brand it that way necessarily. uh, Because as we'll probably talk about at some point here, maybe even today, I don't really know what changes they can make that are going to make them more competitive for a championship next year, even if a lot of their guys are on the downside. And I've kind of been uh, on this for the last couple of years that it's like, you know, this, this window is not like wide open, even if their superstar is 28 years old, but also... I mean we don't know if this is going to happen yet but a lot of people are calling for the coach to be fired maybe there could even be some front office change as a result of this especially with a new owner coming in i don't think he's the governor yet but he's going to be at some point soon. he certainly has influence so yeah if a bunch of people get fired that they'll probably view it as a failure i would think
2: yeah i i think their only option is to run it back with that group and they so two things that the bucks could do one more of a you know to emulate Miami and kind of manufacture players through two ways and late picks and whatever which they haven't really shown much track record of doing since they got Middleton from Detroit and then otherwise can you do anything different with the same group based, based on this series uh if you can resuscitate Jay Crowder obviously that would be helpful um you know get, we do you look back at the series and say would Javon Carter have made a difference in places um you know, Can they get something from Marjan Beauchamp next year? But you're basically looking at that same set of guys because if you look at their tax situation, if you look at the new CBA rules, they, they don't have options other than to run it back. Even if they, you know, if Chris Middleton opts out and they re-sign him for less money over a longer time, that, that helps a little bit. But, I mean, Brook Lopez is going to make something, right? Even if he takes a hometown deal, you, you still have to pay him real money. So... That that puts them way into the tax again, and then that puts the handcuffs on now.
1: Yeah, and you could also even see, like I think Middleton played well enough in these playoffs that you could see a team that's really under pressure to improve making a big offer yes. to him. A team that doesn't really have much other salary on the books, has a bunch of rookie contracts, and like, yeah, hey, maybe like a, a team that kind of pays him the evolutionary version of like what Gordon Hayward got I mean, think of think of that john that like gordon hayward got 120 million over four years and that was three years ago and he's nowhere near as good as chris middleton right now and frankly chris middleton has a better health record than him so i mean like there could be a massive offer that they're just like hey like we just can't can't do this uh and again when you say it's a it's a well I, i guess you didn't Say failure exactly, but a disappointment. Yeah, they spent this money expecting that they're going to get that playoff money. Like that matters, doesn't it? For a, a they bat- Oh,
2: it matters like for the bottom line. Yeah, that that playoff gate definitely matters. They at least um, got three. They at least yeah. got three home games in the first round out of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh so that that's uh, that's pretty remarkable. I, I, I mean, I guess uh, so. I, I would have to look at it that way. I mean, but any. As you watched this series and like and why they lost, anything that really sticks out to you there? And again, sorry Heat fans, we're not talking about the Heat. We've got plenty of time to talk about the Heat. You know, in the next round which they've advanced to. And if you want to listen to a Heat hagiography, that was our probably our first 25 minutes yesterday on the show uh, on Dunked On Prime with Danny. But uh, what stuck out to you from the Bucks' standpoint about why they lost? So,
2: teams. I wrote about this a little bit today. They they won the shot chart battle in the series, but I felt like Miami was okay. Was was this like outlier crazy huge shooting by Miami? Yeah, it probably was. I also think they were so comfortable playing against what the Bucks were doing, though, that it just it it was easy for them to outperform. I guess is 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 my take a little bit. I'm sure if you were Milwaukee, you feel a little bit like you got hit with the deck, right? Because you had the injury to Giannis, you had Miami shooting out of their mind. Like even like the like that shot Caleb Martin made in game four. It was like, come on. We're like, really? Um, but at yeah, the same the, the time. Yeah, the one where he
1: like jab-stepped Giannis from the, the left corner.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so so there's definitely an element of that. But at the same time, like you lost to a freaking eight seed in five games. Like, come on. Right. Like you can't you can't just say that it was all bad luck. Right.
1: No, I, I don't want to hear the excuses. And, and I mean, without Giannis, they actually were one and one in the games that Giannis didn't play. They got blown out in game one and they were, were getting their
2: they were getting their asses kicked before Giannis got hurt. I think that's a very important point.
1: No, it, it is. I mean, they, they came. out We thought Jimmy Butler was not going to have a good series because of what happened in 21 and it seems like it was clear that he just wasn't himself because if you look at his three post seasons other than 21 like he's been just unbelievable uh so yeah he might be moving up a little bit in the old top 10 players in the nba uh i mean you've been banging this drum a little bit more i finally i have no choice but to believe that like you know oh it's not outlier shooting in the playoffs for him anymore. you just yeah Like he's, maybe it's not going to be consistent every single year, but he's reaching a height that it's just, Hey, I'll, I'll take even a 50% chance of reaching this height. Um, but back to what you're saying about the, the reasons that they lost. Yes. You know what? Like this was, it was unlikely that the Miami Heat were going to shoot the ball this well. It was unlikely that they were going to shoot the ball this well back in 2020 when they also lost to them in five games. And they played the math game last year against the Celtics and they let Grant Williams take 18 threes, but he made seven of them. And you could say, well, it was an offensive loss last year. And like, yeah, I mean, I probably agree with that in the end, that when without Middleton, that's why they lost. But the problem is, there are going to be times in the playoffs where guys just get hot. Like, this league is just too good. You can't just have one gear defensively and just trust that, all right, the math's going to work out for us every game, every series, especially when your offense isn't that good, and particularly at the end of games, your offense isn't that good. Like, you need to have not only a dominant defense, but you got to have other gears defensively as well. And I think actually for – that's kind of the case for Cleveland too in some ways where, like, yeah, you know, their defense wasn't terrible. At least their first shot defense wasn't terrible. But they didn't have, like, another thing that they could do When they are still getting outscored, like sometimes all you can do is not play, not only play good defense, but play like unbelievable defense, and that's how you have to get out of it because the offense just isn't working. So, uh, yeah, I mean, now I would still throw again like their lack of defensive versatility as you know one of the one of the bigger reasons that they lost. I got a couple others, obviously. Anything else that stood out to you
2: from Milwaukee's perspective? um, Obviously, I mean, Bud's tactical. decisions late in the game. They, they, it wasn't just that he didn't take the timeout uh, after the Butler basket. But if you go back and look, the last 20 seconds, they acted like they were out of timeouts, even though they weren't. So after Gabe Vincent makes the three that Matthews kind of let him walk into, um, the Bucks inbounded the ball from their own basket and basically turned the ball over and got bailed out by a horrific foul call that turned into a jump ball. Now, the reason they did that and didn't advance the ball is because they thought they were out of timeouts. Then same thing, they kept Giannis on the court for the jump ball, even though he he was not jumping, if I remember right, because he caught the jump ball. I think they had Lopez jumping. And
1: And he tips it to Giannis, yeah.
2: And he tips it to Giannis. I, like,
1: I don't think I I don't think you can make a sub there though. It might be
2: But again, yeah. you would call timeout when Giannis caught it if you had one left, right?
1: yeah well and i do think also bud like if you see him when when the ball goes through the basket from jimmy if you it's like fleeting but he almost like briefly puts his hands together for timeout, and it's like huh he takes his hand away like oh shit we don't have any timeouts i can't call it so yeah. i think he I, I think that's right i think he made they may have just not known that they or known for sure at least miscalculated that, that they had one there
2: yeah um, there's normally I mean, you, normally yeah. there's a timeout guy on the bench uh, it's it's usually one of the trainers whose job it is to track the timeouts <laughs> yeah. all through the game, and you'll see them. They'll go to the scorer's table at every timeout, and they'll ask and make sure and double check um, because again the the it, this this is one you can't screw up, and it's so rare to see an NBA coach screw that up. Actually, that because I've seen times before where the this little scoreboard thing said a team had a timeout, and they and it turned out they didn't and the co- the coach was right not the thing on the scoreboard you know um like nba coaches never screw that up and so to see somebody with 10 years experience screw that up in the biggest game of the year is was like shocking right
1: it's interesting that you mentioned that because there were two screw ups that just happened in game 4 of golden state sacramento you'd think like there would be some awareness of it cuz it just happened like the timeout thing right and then also I- being I, up uh, uh, up four, just letting him walk into a three as well. Yeah, The timeout.
2: Yeah. The timeout thing actually was interesting. Cause I wonder if that was, I wonder if that was made him do a double take after Butler's
0: basket.
1: Um, you think they should fire him? I mean, obviously not just based on like the last, 30 seconds of of this game. but uh, and, and by the way, to be clear, I don't think he should have taken the timeout at the end of OT. Um, I don't think that was realistic that people were complaining about that. I think that was just kind of cumulative from when he didn't take it before. People were frustrated. Like, I don't think he should have taken it. There wasn't really a good time to do it. Like, they were moving the ball. The Heat were in rotation. Like, the Bucks just didn't execute there. But And the Heat made some great rotations. Uh, do if you agree there, with me on that, or are you?
2: If there had been a moment, it would have had to be... the the benches would have had to have been flipped because from 50 feet behind the play, you can't do shit. You'll never get the ref's attention. doesn't matter.
1: Um, I mean, we've seen coaches, like, just sprint into the front court there. I think, like, and not... The Missoula the special. Court court, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But but still, I mean, I, t- that's true to me. I just don't think that they... The other thing was... that complicates it even more, obviously.
2: When Middleton catches the pass from Giannis, Grayson Allen is wide open at the three-point line, yeah. and he just didn't see him. And by the time he took one dribble, turned around, and then saw him, and by then it was too late. And then Gr- Grayson needed to shoot the ball sooner, obviously. But there, there was... A moment, if you're watching the play develop and thinking timeout or no timeout, you're thinking to yourself, okay, one pass, Grayson Rowland, wide open three for the win, I'm going to let this play out. And then the pass just never got
0: made. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line.
1: Tim Duncan style, Brooke Lopez not being on the floor that, you know, the number two finisher and defensive player that you're not being on the floor as Jimmy Butler ties the game with two seconds to go at the rim.
2: I think the dilemma was that so Spolstra did a very smart thing. He took Bam off the floor and played five smalls.
1: And yeah, all of whom could shoot. So you're, you think you're yeah. in like a, a switch everything situation there. It's a
2: switch everything situation. And you're thinking he's running something to shoot a three for the win.
1: Yeah. Uh, Which they it, had just done, by the way. And they had just done it. And like, I, I mean, I thought they fucked up by having Brooke in like a drop coverage when Jimmy just walked into another one. Let him walk
2: right into, just let him, you just let him walk into a three. It was unbelievable. Um, yeah. So your only alternative would have been to have Brooke Lopez defend the inbounder. I mean, Gabe Vincent had to make a hell of a pass to get this over Giannis and drop, Unbelievable it, pass, yeah. air drop it into Jimmy. So let's not forget that. And there might have been some offensive pass interference along the way, too. Um, the If you had had Brooke Lopez on the ball, then you could have had Giannis in the field of play. And he obviously would have been a much greater deterrent than Pat Connaughton or whoever you wanted on that. Because uh, Pat Connaughton was guarding Kyle Lowry, I think it was, who set the screen. Um, and had to switch uh, it was Struz. on Struce, I'm sorry, and had to switch that. So if you had put Giannis on Struce instead of Connaughton, and had Lopez on the inbounder, there was two seconds left, so there was a chance the inbounder could have like passed to somebody, ran away from Brooke, got it back and shot a three. But it was that was probably a, a probability you could live with uh yeah. in retrospect. So that that would have been the place to play to play Brook, I think. But having him out on the court, I think it's very presumptive that Miami would have done the same thing and not tried to do something completely different. And the fact is, in that situation, a two sends it to overtime, but a three is immediate loss. So you're you're going to live with a two in that situation.
1: Yeah, they probably they should put in uh, Trey Young as a defensive replacement. Put it put him on the in pillar. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, but but anyway, back to the original question: Should they fire him?
2: I don't think so. I think that's a a horrific gaffe, and he's been schooled by Spolstra twice now in the postseason. But I'm I, I also have to respect the fact that they've won a ton of games and won a championship there. Like that's because you're really firing him over. Over one game then, right? Like, that's that's tough to me.
1: Well, I mean, there was also a huge collapse in game four as well.
2: Yes. You know what was funny about game four? I don't think anyone's talking about this. That steal the Heat got where they were basically playing them for the use it or lose it timeout and, and pressured up.
1: Oh, that was amazing. That was absolutely amazing. And, and you're not really that worried about fouling there either because I can't remember they are in the bonus. But, you know, if you reach in and foul Giannis, like, who cares? He can't make a free throw. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. So. I mean. I guess. Like. You could say. Okay. Nick Nurse is available. Uh. But. Uh, I mean. Also. Like. You know. What quality of coach could they get? Like. That's an interesting question to me. Particularly because. Like. I mean. Is there a possibility that guy could get silenced at this point? Like. You don't know what. Like. You know. No. Brook Lopez. No. Middle. I mean. Those guys are free agents. Like. If. If they leave. Like. And they can't replace them. Really. Like. Then. Like. Is he on, Would he ask out at that point? Like you're, you're. I mean, he's extension eligible this off season. Now he might just yeah. sign it, and then he could always just get traded later. But still, like, uh, although honestly, if I were him and I did want to get traded, I would not sign the extension because I would actually want to reduce my own trade value. So you're not in the situation like Donovan Mitchell is or KD where you go go somewhere, but then your team has zero assets around you.
2: I just think it's so much easier for him to wait another year to sign it and then get another year tacked on in the end. I don't know why he would sign it now. That's
1: true too. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I still. Yeah, even if he just misses all of next year with an injury, he still would would get. Yeah. I mean, in this climate.
2: Because the other thing is, then he also has leverage over his situation when you start getting to a point where he's a year away from free agency in twenty-five, right? And I think that puts a lot more pressure on the Bucks to make some of these moves, to bring back Middleton, to bring back Lopez. So I, if, I, if I was him tactically, I would, I would not sign that. Um, I, I would think about it maybe next summer if I felt good about things, but not this summer.
1: Yeah, he has up until the end of this offseason to sign it too with two years left on the deal. Um, by the way, the, just quick aside, I mean, I haven't had a chance to like really dive through the term sheet yet, uh, and the new CBA. So, And at some point, I, I got to do that. But that point will not be when we have four playoff games on one Wednesday night, and I'm driving <laughs> back and forth from Sacramento. <laughs> but one thing that has a great... We talked about this, right? The the Damian Lillard situation in Portland, where they are not really willing to pay pay the tax, but they also have this guy making, like, well over 35% of the salary cap. It's hard, yeah. Even, well, and, and so... Now we're, we have these things where basically it's, I think for all, but maybe like two or three teams in the league, that seventeen million million second apron is going to be like a hard cap.
2: Absolutely. And
1: if you want to really be good, like even a team like the Bucks, right? You just look at re-signing your own players like Lopez and, and just the nature of the, of the way salaries rise and bird rights and stuff. It's like, man, you, if you have somebody making 35% of the salary cap, you got to be incredibly efficient with the rest of your roster to be a contender. Or it may just mean that we are done with super teams that, that like, I think we we don't have them anymore anyway, but like, I I don't building a super team seems like, especially because these guys don't get to free agency and try to move. Like, I don't know how you do that anymore unless you're maybe in like two, two markets or something, but then you like trading for the guys becomes really difficult too with those rules. So it's uh
2: yeah, your way your way to doing it yeah. is by getting Durant, Harden, and Westbrook in consecutive drafts, right? That 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 that's your pathway yeah. now. But
1: yeah, to, or Bane, Ja and Jaron, but like. You know, I mean that's that was pretty good too, but you know, three all stars in uh, in a row. But yeah, that's uh, that's quite rare. I mean, maybe it happens more often just because you can have like uh, either because of these traded picks that are already out there that are unprotected that bump up in the draft, or just teams that you know already have two good young players and then they bump up from number ten to number one. Like it could happen more, but I think it's going to have to really. You make a great point there. It's got to probably just be draft at this point.
2: But I will say I mean the nature of this league is that somehow some way we'll get more super teams.
1: I don't know we haven't had one since 2019. Uh I mean I guess we had the Nats in theory but then it yeah. turned out to An not un, be that super
2: un-super team.
1: Right and they were willing to pay a you know a shitload of tax. Um all right but anything like, else on the bucks?
2: I mean yeah, w- you know when Luka teams up with Jokic you know that'll be like a super team right? Oh wait did I say that out loud?
1: Well you think that's actually going to happen?
2: We'll see. I, I, I just—that's one I wonder about.
1: I, I don't think that team would be that good, personally.
2: I don't, I don't, think
1: those guys' skills are very redundant, and they'd never stop anybody. Anyway, that's, uh, that's okay, a okay. But their discussions, their discussions
2: with say. the officials, though, would be
1: elite. Well, yeah, yeah. The other team would be playing five on three on offense, five on
2: every three possession. every possession. <laughs>
1: all right enough
2: speculation
1: okay so anything else in the box or shall we shall we move on here a little bit let's move on okay so i wanted to get into this and i think this is a a good place to start a good transition actually from our previous topic we can hit some of our other topics later on don't worry the crucible will be discussed (laughs) but i wanted to talk about the superstars in the league i wanted to do this in real time because this came up of course when we did our top 10 players i do this do this every year and i kind of wanted to have this for posterity obviously some players playoffs are still to be fully written so this is an incomplete grade but i wanted to go through and letter grade the performance of some of the best players in the nba and i want to start And just discuss a little bit, maybe how, especially if their postseason is over or about to be, what we thought of their performance so far. We'll update this, obviously, for some guys who make it further on. Let's start with Giannis. What has your opinion of him changed at all as a result of this going forward?
2: Probably didn't change my opinion that much, just because I'm I'm sensitive to the fact that if it was regular season, he might not have played these last two games. Uh, the the free throw shooting is definitely becoming more of a concern. I mean, he shot forty five for the series. Uh, that that's that's the
1: one where you really think twice about it. He's ten of twenty three. That's insane. Yeah. In, in, uh, in game five.
2: And he's he's twenty eight now, and a guy who's really dependent on out athleting people. So as is, is that. Is that gonna, you know, what's what's the downhill rate on that? Or can he become enough of a shooter in his quote unquote old age to offset some of that? I think I think those are beyond the rest of the roster questions in Milwaukee. There's also the question of, can Giannis be this level of dominant going forward? But I think that, you know, he played three games in this series. He, he wasn't that great, but I think there are obvious reasons to explain why that might've been. So I, I can't get too worked up about that.
1: I'm kind of worked up about it. Okay. (laughs) And the reason for that is that this, yes, he was hurt, but this is a continuation of trends that we saw all regular season. The free throw shooting and also not only trends we saw all regular season, but that have been... Uh, at least offensively, things that have been issues through most of his career, except for like the 21 playoffs and last year, not being able to hit a jumper, the mm-hmm. free throw shooting. Do you know how many jump shots he hit in this series, John? Outside the paint, uh, that he that he hit like people with, or or hit the basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had one shot outside the paint that he made. He's 0 for 3 on threes. Uh 1 of 7 on jumpers and he's also a 3 of 10 in the upper paint. So it, it basically was rim. Obviously the free throw shooting and also, like that killed them at the end of the game too. I mean like he almost they had basically two turnovers or should have been turnovers because he had to hot potato it or they didn't want to throw it to him, right? That trap that led to the jump ball. They use yep. the inbounder, they leave him wide open, but they can't throw it back to him because they're scared he's gonna get fouled. So you're playing four on five against a press. Um, and then I think also so so he just he's and, and his efficiency dropped during the regular season for these reasons. And you would say, hey, if your only trick is getting all the way to the rim all the time, that your your effectiveness is gonna decline at twenty-eight. We've seen some other guys recently you know stay really good into their mid-30s but Giannis doesn't have that type of game to me and then defensively he was invisible in this series and he averaged less than a block a game this year in the regular season like wasn't remotely in the defensive player of the year discussion compared to like last year in the playoffs he's just completely walling off the rim for most of that series against the Celtics even when he's the only big Mm -hmm. um so like I don't think he's To me, I think it's possible he gets back to the level he was at in 21 and 22. I mean, don't forget, I mean, I think he was way better defensively in 19 and in 20, but he had these offensive issues as well. So... I think uh, until further notice, the player that he owes this regular season—that's who I think he is. Like he could obviously prove that his jump shot—he's figured it out, but he's worked tirelessly on that. It's not because he doesn't work hard enough. I just think he just can't do right, it. Right. Right. So, so yeah. I mean, I, I had him in my top tier. If I were going to do the rankings today, he would not be in my top tier uh, of players in the league.
2: I think I had I had him third, right?
1: Yeah. You had what? So, you had Joel and Jokic above him, right?
2: Yeah. So it's a yeah, it's a. This is a uh, this postseason is a big test for my top three, and uh, so, so far they're not exactly acing it. Um, so we'll, we'll see yeah. how the rest well, you, of this Well, Jokic
1: and Embiid, there. I, I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm very worried about Embiid in particular with the injuries again. But I, we'll we'll see what happens in the Celtics series. We don't need to talk about him yet. Yeah. Um. Do, so I mean, did I did I convince you at all? I, I guess if you didn't have him in top three, I guess you're not. You don't need to move him down the way I would.
2: I. I want to see how the rest of this plays. I guess my, it, because I don't feel like my perception of him changed. So somebody, my perception of somebody else would have to improve to really knock him down.
1: I see. Yeah. No, that's that, that's fair. But uh, I will okay, say, uh, I one. will say now, yeah. I will say,
2: if we're trying to project what our list will look like in two years. Then yeah, I'm worried about Giannis.
1: Well, and that's also I, and again, people, oh yeah, you know, what's the point of these rankings? Like this is just bullshit clickbait. Oh uh, no, actually, if you own the Milwaukee Bucks and you're in the Milwaukee Bucks management, you need to project what Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to look like. You've you have massive financial decisions to make about that. You have coaching decisions, you have roster decisions. Like this is absolutely essential to doing the job. So this is yes. not just like us fucking around and like, oh yeah, let's let's uh, you know, PTI this or whatever. Okay, next up, uh, Luka Doncic. How would you grade it? Okay. Um, <laughs> Devin
2: Booker. Oh, my God. He is – he is. I went to games three and four uh, in L.A. I be mean, he just wrecking people. Uh, now, obviously, no Kawhi, no Paul George. So, facing a different assemblage of Clipper defenders than he might be. But – The intelligence with which he's attacked is really impressed to me. When when the Clippers have played big, he's gone to the pull-up. And then that fourth quarter of game, I think it was game three, they're they're melding together a little bit. Clippers play five small, start getting back into the game, and Booker just starts going to the rim every single time, like just knows there's no rim protection in there anymore and just goes and goes and goes and just carves them up. And that's how they ended up holding off the Clippers, even though they really couldn't guard them playing five out in that fourth quarter. It was just Booker to the rim time after time after time uh, to the point that Kevin Durant spent a lot of time as a decoy in this series.
1: His game is... Almost has no weaknesses at this point. Now, let's see what happens. Like, he'll, he'll be going up against a team that maybe at some point you'd think is a little better equipped to defend him if they play the Warriors or the Lakers with AD or, you know, maybe Memphis or, or Boston in the finals. Like, th- there will be a team that has better options to defend him than the Clippers. Even though the Clippers' options weren't terrible. Uh, once Kawhi went down, it obviously it was a little bit different, but he was pretty good in those first two games also. But just the passing, like when he got double teamed, like he had 10 assists i think it was in game five 47 points he can shoot the three off the dribble he can shoot the three off the ball he's awesome attacking in transition he makes incredibly quick decisions he can make cuts he can get to the mid-range he d- attacks hard going to the rim he can get fouled uh he plays on or off the ball it's and his defense has been at a fever defensive pitch defensively so, against westbrook strong.
2: yeah against yeah. westbrook he was really good in this series and that made a difference too
1: Like he's in another league to me than all these other shooting guards because his game is just so complete. And we've seen someone like Donovan Mitchell. I think there are people who would have said, ah, Donovan Mitchell, I got a better season than Booker this year. And he played more games. But like the idea that those two guys are in the same league, like no way. Not not even close. Jimmy Butler
2: Uh, has to be playoff. I mean, As awesome as Booker was in the first round, Jimmy Butler has to be playoff MVP right now,
1: right? Oh, it's not even close. Yeah. I mean, he's leading in PER. He always is good in that set, but he's got 33 PER so far. I mean, he's just been, uh, uh, it's like, it's per, actually. Right, is that is that would be no, no, no,
2: it? no. I was just being a wise ass. And, and, and no, I have actually always said it per, <laughs> I've never said it per.
1: Yeah, that's good. Uh, per would be very confusing, and it's an acronym, exactly. I mean, once you get to one of these, like once you get to four letters, then maybe you start actually uh pronouncing it the full
2: name, yes, like my 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 Plotinich method for uh rating <laughs> playoff players.
1: <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, I I mean, Devin Booker, you'd have to give him an A so far. Jimmy is probably like a plus, uh, and, and this is. Three of four meetings, or, or sorry, two of three meetings that he's like totally outplayed Giannis. Yes, he was the best player in that series last year against Boston and going up against Tatum. Although he, he missed a couple of games due to injury, and that's kind of your only concern. I mean, it's, it's doing this at age thirty three with like the type of game that he has, it's funny. I think, yeah, go ahead.
2: And really doesn't have shit around him either. Like I'm sorry, <laughs> like look at the rest of this team that he just carried. Across the finish line, hey, they lost Tyler Hero game one. They lost
1: Oladipo yeah, that's, game three. If you're gonna bitch about, if you're the Bucks, and you're gonna bitch about the like injuries messing you up. Like the Heat's second best player like doesn't play after the first half of game one either, like at all. The only guy they have who could do anything off the dribble besides Butler. So I actually would say if you you really want to put the, the, to the test, like I would say that the Bucks actually had the better of the injury situation in this series. Wow. Now I will say that the That's, some of these heat guys, yeah, yeah sorry, it, it's uh, yeah, no one, inf- <laughs> it's a Tyler, just didn't play. It's crazy.
2: And the, the other thing, Bam was not good the whole series.
1: I, I don't know about that. I, I thought he played a really good game for overall. Particularly, I mean, he is good at the end of the games. Like I thought he defended Giannis reasonably well. He hit enough of those. Elbow jumpers like the, the sets they were running at the end of game four with Jimmy off the ball and bam at the foul line through some great passes like I I, I actually I mean I, I realize he wasn't like amazing offensively he's playing oh also by the way he's playing on like a busted hamstring like you could see mm-hmm. that offensively but yeah I, I, I still thought he was pretty good. But and and like Struis and Vincent, like Duncan Robinson, like those guys at least like turned from pumpkins back into playable, like (laughs) which they hadn't been most of the year.
2: It was really interesting how they pulled Duncan Robinson out of storage. Uh, 93 percent true shooting in the first round uh and and made him kind of a viable piece again it was almost like Spolstra saw this matchup and saw what that drop coverage was going to be and and realized that he had this opportunity to do that
1: well he also with the olatipo injury didn't have a choice he had to get some minutes somewhere but uh he could have gone yeah, with like, Highsmith, I still think though. yeah although yeah, he's more of a big for for them i think as as a as a guard i don't think they really had many other options but he was good i mean i still think there's uh there, there's a a chance for him to like still be a contributing player. I know he didn't shoot well this year and all that, but uh, like, our are, are team's really going to just leave him wide open when he comes off a handoff. Like, I don't, I don't nah. that they're good. Like, so, so that gave another show. I mean, they got more from their supporting cast probably than the Bucks did. I mean, that's another thing you can point to <sighs> with the Bucs of why they failed to just, all right, Joe Ingles, come on down, play eight minutes in this in game five. And, uh, you know, Javon Carter's on the bench. Uh, is, is it's too late to trade Jay Crowder to a contender? <laughs> can, can that still happen
2: five seconds man
1: um so so anyway okay uh but yeah obviously butler is an a plus uh nikola yeah go ahead, sorry
2: i have one lingering question from this miami series oh okay how much would kevin love have helped cleveland
1: i mean that's not lingering for me it's a hundred percent like he would have helped them i don't know if they win the series but hey they can't make a three and they can't rebound. right <laughs> uh okay yeah that's a good one donovan mitchell so your letter grade for donovan mitchell's performance c minus i mean like i did i didn't quite
2: i didn't quite think he was like atrocious i just thought it was real easy for the knicks to load up on him and then the way cleveland lost this series was just on the sheer possession count uh more than more than mitchell mitchell did not have a good series but it wasn't like trey young against miami last year either like he wasn't he wasn't atrocious. It was just it was so easy to for the Knicks to load up because they just they were always playing four on five the whole game. So I I, I no, thought that yeah. stood out more to me. Uh, but we uh, we also have an announcement of we've revoked Jared Al- Allen's All Star appearance from uh, 2022. That no
1: longer happened. It's been given, it's been given to Mitchell Robinson. And <laughs> yeah. and moreover, moreover, John Tom Thibodeau won a series as the road team in five games Which rather than is, losing it as the home team in five games unbelievable
2: well it's great for him because he can use it as a credit for this upcoming <laughs> round
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah I, I i can't wait to dive in I, I mean that's just this has just been a completely crazy because you know i mean rand randall
2: hurt uh, his ankle in, uh last night i don't know if people caught that yeah. um and uh so like yeah it was very weird like Obi Toppin was like like looked like he was going to Wally pip him in the third quarter basically uh to play like one of his best stretches as a Nick but now if you're the Knicks and you're going into this into this next series with no Randall like Vegas had the Knicks as as a slight favorite I saw this morning which shocked me I mean I guess they have home court advantage but still um I, that. That's uh interesting.
1: Yeah, the, I thought Randall actually, uh, on balance, hurt the Knicks because I like that was the one thing that actually did happen in the series the way I thought it would that Evan Mobley completely shut him down. But yes. his matchup against the Heat is really good. So yeah, we'll see whether whether he's able to play or not. Uh, but yeah, back to Mitchell. I mean, I would give him a D I, again with like what he's supposed to be like what people think he is relative to how well he played. I mean, that four of eighteen, I think in Game Four. Like Like that was the game that they needed superstar Donovan Mitchell bangs six threes off the dribble and wills you yeah. back into a 2-2 series and he just wasn't able to deliver at all particularly in both of those New York games 52% true shooting for the series like he had one good game I thought in the series and that was game one and then the Knicks adjusted to him and also just the fact that he's a small guard again like that it's just was a problem like, like I, he was yeah. he wasn't as pathetic defensively and it helped that he had two bigs behind him uh, but also like they had to put two on the ball against Jalen Brunson, like he couldn't guard Jalen Brunson. Like they they got Garland out there too, so it's they tried really hard to keep him out of that matchup. So there are a lot of schematic issues. Like that's part of why they couldn't get a rebound. Like he's not a great rebounder. They have two small guards there. Like those guys can't like crack back and get a board, uh, and they have to protect him by putting two on the ball and pick and roll so that the offensive glass is open there. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of people would have had him higher than like I had him seventeenth in the NBA. I, like, I think no, this is probably about where he uh, he should be. Um, a guy who I think I might move up, although he did struggle. Maybe it was the finger on on Wednesday night. De'Aaron Fox.
2: Yeah, he's. I I just think he's had a really impressive playoffs. He's he's defended too.
1: Yeah, so like, I, I think based on this, he's better than Donovan Mitchell, like maybe not in the regular season when you can just take a bunch of threes and Mitchell shoots him better and like, but he's a point guard, not a shooting guard, and he's got pretty good size. He defended well, and he also just can get to his shot in the mid-range and create in a way that Donovan Mitchell can't do in, in isolation.
2: I agree with that. I think his, I think his speed just creates more problems for a playoff defense. Cause they're there.
1: Yeah. Transition. It's,
2: it's just so hard to lock in on speed, right? Like he's, he's faster than you. He could run away from you. Like he, he always has that in his bag. So uh, I, I think that's, that that's been a real positive. Uh, So
1: I, I think it's incredible, honestly, that the, and a big feather in the Warriors cap that they have found an answer to him in the last, like, I guess five of the last six quarters. Um, Anyone else that you're like really want to talk about as a superstar? So, yeah, I mean, Fox, I would say that, you know, he's been probably an A, A minus maybe after last game. And, yeah, as I mentioned, Mitchell, probably a D. All right. How about uh, Kyrie Irving?
2: Sorry. (laughs) Here we go again. Uh, uh, What about um, Anthony Davis?
1: (sighs) Is it? Which game are we
2: talking about? (laughs) So... My point exactly. I feel like there's, he's such a high variance guy just based on how he's feeling physically and uh, a little bit how his shot is going down. And then he's, he's very, even though he's highly productive, he is a pretty assist dependent player. Like his self created shots usually don't go that well. So, yeah, not
1: against good defense, at least. I think it's also, it was kind of notable too that like when the Lakers have switched like Bane onto him, he like hasn't really been able to get the ball and dominate that matchup. Up.
2: No. Bain and Brooks have been switching on him the whole series. But yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons Memphis felt emboldened to play even smaller yesterday is because. Davis hasn't been hurting them when they've switched so they're like okay fine let's see if we can try doing it with John Conchar now like they didn't play David Roddy at all last
1: night no I I would say actually the biggest reason they feel emboldened is because LeBron is not that guy right now I mean that's that's even another one but yeah I mean for AD he's he's been good defensively I think in almost all the games Uh, now Memphis doesn't like stress him out as far as like his perimeter mobility but I think that's been good enough Um, so yeah I mean he's kind of I think you know I had him kind of in like the 15 Range I, that seems like about right, but again, he's another guy who we'll find out more about him. LeBron, I, I mean, clearly he's injured, but that's also just like par for the course for him at age thirty-eight at this point. Yeah,
2: what do you think? What do you think happens the rest of this series?
1: I think Memphis is a pretty good shot. Now, this is a, a great stat that Feldman pulled for me. There were seventy-five times the road team has gone up three-one in a series. Mm-hmm. Twenty of those times, they've won Game Five on the road to close it up. So that wow. leaves. I'm actually surprised. Is that higher two, or lower?
2: Well, I mean, I guess 17 of those are Thibodeau's teams, right? But then, like, there's there's three <laughs> others.
1: Yeah, of like home teams that went down. Yeah. Um. So, well, is that surprising to you that they're they're just overall there's 75? That's what you're reacting to there.
2: No, I was reacting to, the, to that 20 of 75 won Game Five because I always, in mean, my mind, they always they always win Game Five and then send it to a Game Six.
1: Yeah. Well, so that's 27% of the time. Mm -hmm. Then of the remaining 55, 40 of them won in game six. So in the situation that the Lakers are going into right now, historically 40 out of 55 teams. So that's a little bit less than 80%. Wow. Win that game six. Wow. I I would now I would put the Grizz particularly with the nature of this series, that it's basically been two Grizz blowouts, one Laker blowout, and then two close Lakers win, one of which John Morant played on the end. I yeah. would say the Grizz are in a better situation, also as like a higher seed than the Lakers. Lakers are a good seven seed, Grizz are probably a bad two seed, but still. Um Also, I think they've kind of figured out, I think Kennard's availability is a big factor, which we don't know if they can stop playing Brooks than... Maybe that would really help, but and maybe yeah. LeBron can just summon it in this game. Yeah,
2: yeah. That that whole part of the series has wounded me because um, they they aren't guarding Brooks, and he for whatever reason can't make a three right now.
1: Yeah, well, he shot thirty percent from three this year. So
2: no, I mean he, be. but he averaged twenty five a game in the playoffs against Utah two years ago. You know, it's like kind of a yeah, it's it's kind of an yeah, amazing. I, I mean, decline. I think being,
1: I think he clearly just being being a, I guess, fourth option, fifth option in some lineups is, I think it's just in his head at this point. Like back when it was like, hey, we need you to take every shot you can because Desmond Bain is like a rookie coming off the bench and we don't have anyone other than Ja who can dribble or do anything that he just felt some freedom. And yeah, he wasn't efficient, but he was at least like someone that you had to guard.
2: There's a weird psychology when they just don't guard you. Yeah. I agree with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless you're you're just like an absolute laser. Yeah, I think that that is possible, but and especially for him because he, I mean, you know, having been around him, I would assume that like he's just such a confidence-dependent player that, like, all of this persona is, like, just part of, like, who he needs to be to be effective. Is, is that fair to say?
2: Well, and that, and he's played as a scorer his whole career, basically.
1: Right, right. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I, I would give the Grizz, you know, above whatever that is, 75-ish percent chance I would of the Lakers winning. I, I think that's, you know, 55, 60% chance the Lakers winning that game. And then, obviously, Game 7 could, could change as well. Uh, and then even actually... This is also kind of fascinating. 15 of those 75 series have gotten to a game seven, but then the road team has actually won seven of those 15. The team that went up 3-1. Most famous in that is the 2006 Mavericks against the Spurs. Yep. Uh, Bucks, Bucks Celtics
2: Bucks Celtics last year was like that, wasn't it?
1: Uh, there wasn't a 3-1 in that series. There wasn't
2: a 3-1? Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, was it 2-2 uh, in the yep. road, one? road team won the last three? That's what that was. Uh, well, Celtics won game seven at home too. That was a weird series. It's hard, but uh, I was just thinking about this yesterday. So I've I've got it in my mind. At Bet365,
0: we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Twenty-one plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay, here we got probably like ten minutes left. Okay. Um, I mean, I think we promised people, so we have to do it now. Ooh, the Crucible. The role players has withstood the Crucible, and who has turned to ash?
2: You know what's funny? I thought Roddy was withstanding the Crucible, but then they DMP'd him, <laughs> and. Yeah. I thought Santi Aldama was really struggling with it, and then he played more and played pretty well in Game 5.
1: Well, and I thought Canard, too... Because he was so bad defensively, that's why they didn't play him at the end of game four. And, and I, yet, then they decided to lean into playing him more. He actually was better defensively, and then of course he got hurt. But and he, and he also I, got three fouls.
2: I think for them, they just they just said to hell with it. Like we we have no we have no chance of winning unless we do this, and so they had to do that. Yeah. Their hand their hand was forced by the fact that the Lakers were. Get becoming so brazen in not guarding Brooks or Roddy,
1: yeah. I, when you go one for 16 on corner threes in game four in the competitive portion of the game, like <laughs> you just have to fucking knock those shots down. Like you're getting okay. the second best shot in the game, probably with Anthony Davis playing for the Lakers, the best shot you could possibly be getting on a possession and just not cashing out. Like that's just unacceptable, yes. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, there's also gonna be a kind of a so, I mean, the, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, I mean, they have to play him some, but he absolutely is turning to ash. And even defensively, he hasn't been that valuable. He's been their worst option on LeBron. They've gone to Tillman, who's been better. Like Taylor Jenkins asked, why didn't you have Dylan Brooks on LeBron the last possession of regulation? Like, well, actually, uh, because Tillman guards him better. That's why.
2: Well, Tillman blocked him twice in the fourth quarter of that game on very similar drives.
1: Can we say the entire Cleveland Cavaliers team? <laughs> I And mean, they're just you're, you're just opening up that crucible, just like even just like a, a small exhalation just sends their asses just flying all over the place. <laughs> but I, I mean, what do you just this category is created for role players, but just what an unbelievable paper tiger a regular season paper tiger of a team.
2: I, I pick the Knicks to win the series. I did not think it would go down like this.
1: Yeah, I thought the Cavs would dominate in this series. I, I picked it in six, and I would have gone more likely five than seven, obviously. I'd, I mean, of course, when we prognosticate and we we're wrong, that's when we turn on these guys the hardest. <laughs> like, you know, 18 minutes into game five, I'm like, do I still have to watch this? This is the exact same fucking game it was the yeah. past three games that the Knicks won. Like, it's literally the it was, exact it was, same it game. Was ob- it, was obvi- it was
2: obvious in the middle of the second quarter that the Knicks were going to win. It was, it was shocking. Yeah. Um, they, they don't even have the personnel to lose differently, not to mention win. <laughs> just, just lose in a different way. That's You really see some of these teams how schematically limited they are and and how that affects them. I thought the Bucks needed to be able to get to lineups where Allen was off the floor because he was just getting his ass kicked and didn't provide any spacing either. Um, did you say – that one jump shot he had it was like a catch and shoot on the baseline where he took like an hour to load up, and Mitchell Robinson just swatted the shit out of it.
0: Oh, it was like in, a in weird five.
1: like floater. Yeah, like, it was. Yeah, like Mitchell Robinson <laughs> just standing right there. I mean, well, and Mitchell Robinson, he's a guy where against a lot of teams, maybe even against this team, you'd be like, hey, like they don't have another option other than playing him. But you're like, yeah. yeah, like you know, Mitch drop big drop center against like Garland and Mitchell, able to like shoot threes off the drill. Like I thought that would actually be a huge advantage for Cleveland the series and instead i mean mitchell robinson i would argue he's the most impactful player in the series i would agree with that 11 offensive rebounds in game five
2: yeah yeah and that was and again that was the entire way the knicks won was just that they took so many more shots than clear. i think that the knicks are still last in playoff true shooting percentage and advanced (laughs) you know yeah, they Look, that's not call supposed it fake to Fake
1: shooting percentage. Oh, what a dumb stat! <laughs> Fucking analytics. Uh, that's
2: your that's that, your first. That was good, great. Did, that's your first good take.
1: Did you see? <laughs> did you see Tom Thibodeau being like, "Oh, these guys are a great team. Like they had one of the best net ratings in the league." And I was like, "Yeah, damn it, Thibodeau,
2: <laughs> right?" Like
1: you, you're just you're always just so reliant on the analytics, although. Quite frankly, I mean, the the New York Knicks changed their approach to be more analytically friendly in a lot of ways. Like, it's not just, like, not taking... Well, I mean, number one, they did take a lot fewer mid-rangers this year. But they, I mean, they won. Analytics describe every part of the game. Like, they won the fast break game this season. They won the offensive rebounding, in part due to taking more floaters, which are easier to offensive rebound. They really uh, shot way more threes this year as well. Like, they actually like found advantages analytically and and exploited them and never more so than in this series. Uh, here's one, John. Okay, Rant Williams.
2: Oh, is it? Yeah, put out an app, right? They're playing Sam Hauser ahead of him. I mean, respect for my Wahoos and all. No, that they're playing Blake Griffin. They in when they put it, lineups ahead of him when they put Blake Griffin in in that fourth quarter. I about fell
1: over. And like, not even it's like, oh, and Rob and Horford are both in foul trouble. It's no, it's he's playing him next to one of those guys. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: I don't, I, and, like, Grant Williams, he played in one game. I mean, maybe, like, is he just, like, really annoying? Like, is that the problem? Like, it just, <laughs> Did uh, just he just they made four threes in that game. I yeah. I, I'm I not sure I understand. I mean, so I haven't been, like, as locked in on that series as some of the other ones, I will admit. But that's still, like, I didn't think that he, like, from what I saw of that game three, I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, man, he's just getting killed here. Like, we got to p- play, go back to Hauser or Blake Griffin. But.
2: He has played nineteen minutes in the playoffs and has a PER of thirty-five. Uh who is so I w I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say ahead, it's sorry. I wouldn't say it's been his playoff performance that's been the problem. This was decided before the playoffs started that he wasn't going to be that guy.
1: Any other nominations here? Uh for for notwithstanding. Withstanding, uh, notwithstanding, whatever whatever stucks out to you.
2: You know, even though Atlanta is surviving here, I think Sadiq Bey, like defensively, like man, he's like he's just not nope. good enough. <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of these idea of him is better than the actuality of him, guys. Yeah. Defensively. That's a good one. This is a no one will remember this series. I don't even know if it happened. I think they just like moved Philadelphia into the second round. Oh no, yeah. Royce no, that was a,
2: no, that was a simulation, though.
1: Yeah. Uh Royce O'Neal is so bad. Offensively, they just kind of had to have him out there, but he is—he is not a playoff-level offensive.
2: Uh, pretty uh now big history of getting the yips in the postseason, where he just won't even shoot the ball at all. It's not even a question of it going in or not.
1: Yeah, he he played pretty decent defense against Joel Embiid, but they didn't trade a first-round pick to have him guard centers. Um, let's see here. Oh, I got one for you, John. Okay. And we'll see what, what happens in the future when he doesn't have as, as good of a matchup. Although I thought he had a bad matchup. R.J. Barrett, quietly very good in the last three yeah, games.
2: Yeah, he was. And that's going to be interesting to see what happens next round with him.
1: Yeah. Now, Quincy Rimes has been injured, but yeah. if
2: there. Yeah, because if Grimes isn't back, if Randall can't play, I think we're going to see a lot of Barrett at the four, maybe. It'll be like a series with of the series with no fours, right? It'll be Barrett versus Caleb Martin at the quote unquote four.
1: Well, he also knocked down some threes. Which was big. It, even even with and and he you know he had that physical driving to his to his left hand. And yeah, I think that like especially if Randall can play and he's not playing at the four, like he he should have like a physical advantage against whoever he's going against. Let's see, who else? This is kind of a disappointment. It was already heading this way, but Malik Beasley for the Lakers is Oof. getting like token minutes at this point.
2: Yeah. And he, he just wasn't good at all for them after the trade deadline at any point. It's really been surprising. He's had open shots in this series that he's just missed that you don't expect them to miss. So...
1: And his yeah, his defense—he loses guys off the ball. Oh uh, no, he's because
2: that. that's the thing. Yeah, defensively, he's borderline unplayable. So you need him to make shots to make up for that. Probably the one member of the Lakers supporting cast that is disappointed. In general, they're winning the series. I wrote about this because they're sort of third through eighth best players have been better than Memphis's in this series, but
1: that's probably the one exception. I mean, can we? What's our opinion of how D'Angelo Russell has played in this series?
2: He's had moments uh, offensively. He's been able to be a factor. The Grizzlies still go at him on every play,
1: though, I and mean, he's been essential because LeBron hasn't been able to be the guy running the offense for, except for like very limited stretches at the end of games. So I do think the Grizz could be going at him even more than they are. And I mean, if they're doing it every play, they should be doing it twice on every play.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, but, think, I mean, he's had,
1: yeah, he had that I, massive stretch at the end of game four that, I mean, it, it was probably the biggest, the most impactful stretch that any player has had in this series to get them to their depth. Oh, seven, absolutely. Five minutes
2: yeah, left, no, think, that was a, a yeah, that was a huge run right there because the Grizzlies, it just seemed like they were just about to really take, well, they had taken control of the game, but we really we're going to put it almost out of reach and that, that run right there changed that game and that game right now is the uh tipping point
1: of the series How was the atmosphere at uh staples for the lakers good
2: good yeah. yeah um you know laker crowds in early rounds can sometimes be a little golf clappy because like you know they're the lakers they've seen you know they're used to their team winning it all so yeah. like yeah well it's it- been 10 years now yeah, that's the they other actually thing. Actually, got to see their team in the playoffs. So no, somebody pointed out to me it was the first time they like won a home playoff game and yeah, I think it might have been like 10 years. Um
1: well well with the with the full crowd. 21 yeah. they did win.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so the, yeah, their their crowd was good. They were fired up. Uh, it, it felt, it felt a little bit more like there was a, there was a sense that, okay, we're, we're needed right now. We don't need to wait till June this year. Let's, let's let it all out right now. Like they, they, they had, they had really good crowds, especially in contrast to the, uh, the Clipper crowd was
1: disappointing. Well, I mean, they know Kawhi Leonard and PG, it's tough to get, get
2: fired. Tough, tough to get too riled up, but, uh, could you, could you at least appear for the game?
1: Maybe that's what we should close on, actually, is the Clippers now. And there's been a lot of talk about Kawhi. He has the torn meniscus now. It sounds like kind of one of those, like when Bede had a couple of years ago, like maybe it'll require surgery, maybe not. Of course, you have no idea what the story is with Kawhi. I mean, they called it a sprained knee. That's not really the same thing as a, as a meniscus tear. Like if it's a sprained knee would imply something with the ligaments. Maybe there is something with the ligaments, too. Uh, obviously, um, PG didn't play. Yeah, go ahead.
2: I do wonder if they're going to hear from the league about that, about the injury disclosure.
1: Ah, they don't care. Would,
2: I think because be I, I
1: think yeah, they'd fine them. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine with the fine is what I would say. I mean, they, is they, there is there is there a tax? tax? On fines? Yeah, I mean, they didn't give a shit when it was like, you know, Kawhi taking forever to meet with the media. Like, they're just going to continue to kind of placate him. I mean, maybe you can say that the organization has like a little more leverage over him at this point. Ty Lu says he's going to be back, but just what's your overall feeling on this team? They're going into a new arena to start the 24-25 season, this is their last season in, in Staples.
2: I'd be pretty surprised if they just run it back with everyone. I just... Given who their owner is, given what they've invested, given how this season went, it's it's just hard for me to look at this team and feel like everybody's gonna be back. They're they have a lot of underperforming middle class contracts. I know they don't have a lot asset wise to put in trades right now, but they, they can actually gonna-
1: trade three first round picks at the draft. They can wow. trade this have year's, we- which is which is uh number thirty, I believe. Because it's the lowest of OKC there's in Milwaukee. Oh,
2: because they could but trade they this could one trade this one on draft night, and then they could trade 28 and, and 30. So yeah, basically, they could agree to the trade and execute it on July 1st and send out three firsts. Wow, that's a good one. Um, these, except with these new luxury tax rules, we got to see what the phase-in is for them because
1: it's got to be it's got to be at least like a couple of years right like you can't just like fuck teams with their plan.
2: i i know everything gets phased in within two years i know that like by 25 we are we are off and running on the new regime i just don't know how quickly every individual rule gets phased in between now and then they are in a tough spot um you
1: know will they have a mid-level to even offer russell westbrook yeah, and would Russ come back for that? It seemed like he was pretty happy there. He's probably you would think more concerned about he he might yeah.
2: yeah he might come back on a minimum. You're right, it, that is certainly possible. I do think I do, Although, think, cool I do think he liked it there, and he played. I mean, played much better as Clipper than as a Laker, certainly.
1: But but here's another question for you, John: Is it worth doubling, tripling, quadrupling down, whatever you want to call it, on this group at this point in time, uh, uh, f- both with draft picks? Oh, by the way, John. Guess who are both extension eligible this offseason? They're both extension eligible already? I feel like they just signed oh, extensions yes. yesterday. Oh, yes, they are.
2: It's been wow. two years. And they're both free
1: in 24. They both uh, they both have player options for 24. Wow. That's right.
2: Wow. Hello. <laughs> got getting late early over there. Yeah, they got to. Hmm. And the thing is, <laughs> that's a tough
1: call. Kawhi Leonard, yeah, he hurt his meniscus. Fucking dominated this year when he was when he was out there. Oh yeah, Even he looked still, great. Still, right? is that is that enough of a taste to make you think? Okay, maybe it's yeah. Sure, Ty Lute doesn't know that he's gonna be unavailable until three minutes before game time. <laughs> <laughs> game three. But all right, we gotta go here. But holy shit, that's just <laughs> buckle up. I mean, we still haven't heard anything circling, about Milwaukee either. And like this, is circling just, back, what to a your, playoffs, what an offseason this is going to be. Yeah, circling
2: back to your no super teams point, I think that actually makes a lot of decisions like this harder because there's not the sense of okay, you're either you're either Golden State and Cleveland or you're trying to become them, and it, we've moved away from that now, where more teams feel like they have more of a shot. But at the same time, you you have to paint yourself deeper in the corner to really give yourself that chance, especially once you have an older team. That just man, we're gonna see some tough, tough decisions coming, and not just here. I mean, places like Minnesota. Like, what we haven't talked about them, but like, what the hell do they do? It's gonna get real interesting. I mean, Cleveland.
1: Cleveland too, even, like, right? They have no way to get better. Donovan Mitchell will have one year left on his contract after next year. And, and then, they then he can the walk. exact same season they have this year. Yeah. It just, it, like so I mean I think we could be in a situation with a lot of these now Cleveland at least like they'll be fine because they have Allen and Mobley and Garland at least in the regular season like they'll they'll be competitive but mean you think about I think we're going to get it to a point where as it was this year there isn't just like one overwhelming championship favorite because it's too hard to build one of those overwhelming teams you have so many more teams trying as well which makes it harder to aggregate talent but you are going to have a bunch of these teams who really went for it in part because you can give yourself a puncher's chance at getting there in ways that you couldn't previously and then failed so i think you'll have a lot of these teams that have like a decent chance but then you're gonna have teams that are just like oh no we're completely fucked for like the next six years and (laughs) right And so maybe that even will be like if you made the trade for the superstar, that increases the impetus. If it's not working out with the guy, like with Brooklyn, all right, I guess we better move him because if we lose this guy for nothing, then we're like at least Brooklyn, like okay, now we have some picks. We got Mikhail Bridges, like we're gonna be respectable. And this is it's a tough time to be an executive as this new CPA too. Like I'm gonna work through all that. Okay, all right, we gotta stop here.
2: Screw that, I'll just write.
1: yeah at least at least then you're uh, as Jana said as a writer you're uh, you can't have a season that's a failure i mean actually you probably can't in today's industry but uh <laughs> yeah right <laughs> anyway Okay. Anyway, indeed, we'll be back next week. Uh, please subscribe to Down Prime if you haven't. Danny and I recorded for two and a half hours last night on everything that happened in a wild night. There's a wild playoffs, we have a wild off season coming up. We're gonna do outlooks for all thirty teams. We'll do the draft press. Oh yeah, John, you remember the lottery? Yeah. potential prospect Victor Wembanyama's yeah. coming up. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little delirious at this point, but I, I'm just so, this next three months is going to be, like, unbelievable. Oh, by the way, Golden State's favorite to win the championship. Don't at me. Talk to you all next <laughs> week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be
0: epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-point at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment.